Welcome to the Cyclone Scoop, your home for Iowa State football, basketball, and recruiting talk. Here are your hosts, 24-7 Sports' Alex Halstead and the Cedar Rapids Gazette's Dylan Montz. Welcome to the Cyclone Scoop. I'm Alex Halstead, joined by Dylan Montz, and we're today 10 days out from Iowa State's 2017 season kickoff against Northern Iowa. Could be closer depending on when you listen to this, but the bottom line is Iowa State football is getting very close, and that's what we're going to spend the majority of this episode on is talking about Iowa State's 2017 season. We'll go through the schedule game by game uh, pretty quickly and then uh, maybe touch on some of the storylines and and topics going into week one. But uh, at the back end of this episode, we're actually going to talk a lot of basketball recruiting as well because – um, while the focus in the coming weeks is going to be on football, Iowa State has probably about seven key 2018 recruiting targets on the basketball side. Four of them have scheduled official visits, and so the month of September is going to be busy for Steve Prohm and company as well as they get closer and closer um, to their 2017-18 season. But Dylan, let's start with uh, football, and um, I guess before we jump into the schedule, any thoughts from you, I guess, as, as this season sneaks up on us? Yeah, the fall camp I thought was kind of interesting. As as we kind of talked about on the podcast at times, and then as you and I both wrote, there was uh, a lot of availability, a lot of position groups we got to talk to. Every day uh, throughout fall camp was devoted to a new position, and so we got to really kind of go in depth with a lot of these things. And then I guess just my overall takeaway from it is we knew there'd be questions, several questions heading into fall camp about uh how Iowa State was going to piece some of these units together, where it's the offensive line, defensive line, what middle linebackers were going to look like, um, you know, some different pieces in the secondary too. We kind of knew what the wide receivers were um, and how deep that group is. We knew Jacob Park. We knew Dave Montgomery. But I thought overall the sense I got was uh, Iowa State is in pretty good shape, relatively speaking, depth-wise for both its offensive line and defensive line and uh, you know I'm sure they'd like to have a couple more guys just for insurance purposes on both of those but those are probably the two biggest questions heading into the season but uh, I thought uh, in talking to Tom Manning, Eli Rashid and then several guys on on both units it sounds like uh, everybody despite all the newcomers and new faces and things of that nature everybody's kind of clicking together and uh, getting brought up on the same page there a little bit but uh, as Matt Campbell likes to say, we, we won't truly know what those groups are going to be like until they get out in game situations and, and the pressure's really on them. But I thought Iowa State, at least in talking to us and, um, and what the coaches had to say, uh, some of those questions that maybe surrounded the team in the summer or before camp, before fall camp started to get answered a little bit and they're finding some, some uh, guys that they needed to step up are, are starting to do that. Um, and f- like, like I said, through these practices, but now it just has to carry over to the game. So I just kind of took that away as a general sense from, from what uh, the coaches and players were all saying during that time. We'll jump into some of the questions and some of the key storylines uh, here in a bit, but let's start by going through the schedule, and we won't spend a ton of time on each game, but uh, let's go game by game and see what we think and, I guess, kind of predict them. I mean, we did this last year, I think, where we predicted, and um, I can't remember how well we did. I think we probably each predicted at least four, so we were slightly over last year, but uh, a little bit more optimism this year, as there always is for even the worst teams in college football like Kansas or the best teams like Alabama. I think everybody probably a little over projects this time of year, but let's uh, start with Northern Iowa ESPN's uh, football power index as Iowa state's got a 78% chance to win that game. Uh, college football analytics has Iowa state winning that game as well. 
I, I would take Iowa State to win that game. I, I think the way last season went, you know, with all the penalties and stuff. I mean, if Iowa State doesn't have the 14 penalties or whatever it ended up being and um, some of the just little mistakes here and there, I think they win that game. And after you lose it last year, I think this year they'll – they'll win that game by a couple scores. Yeah, I, I feel pretty confident from an Iowa State standpoint going into this game. It's just the year two aspect of it, like you said. Uh, you're not really in the getting to know you part of everything now. You, you've established um, all the, the language that you're instilling in the offense and defense. Everybody's kind of more on the same page. And then um, I just think from a line, line standpoint, like I was just saying on both sides, they're in a little bit better shape and, and ready to go. And that's that's obviously where things start um, for any football team, but especially for Iowa State, they're going to have bigger guys up front. Uh, so dominating that will be important, but I see them walking away with a 10-point win or so at least. So that's the season opener, and then the next week they jump right into Iowa. And I think last year I picked Iowa. Um, I didn't think Iowa would win it by a score of 42-3, to but being at Kinnick and, and those things, I think Iowa State was obviously the clear underdog, especially in year one, and their week one performance last year didn't help them going into week two. This year, I think the line, and it's still way too early, but I think the early line was something like four points uh, towards Iowa, three and a half, so it's a pretty close line. Uh, ESPN says Iowa State has a 38% chance to win that one at home, and um, College Football Analytics actually has Iowa State winning that game, a uh, relatively close one. I think they have it by four for Iowa State. I'm actually going to take Iowa State in this one too. Just you know, maybe maybe just I'm buying some of the optimism early, but Iowa has a lot of questions, just like Iowa State does. Iowa State's questions are more in the trenches. Um, Iowa's questions, you know, they're going to have some really good running backs with Akram Wadley and, um, you know, some of the other guys at that position. But, you know, Nate Stanley's probably their starting quarterback, but he's, you know, relatively inexperienced, and that will only be week two for him. And then I think you also look at the receivers. You know, Vandenberg's a good receiver um, and, and did good things against Iowa State. But the the next receiver I can think of, and I'm admittedly not a guy that knows all about Iowa's roster, but Nick Easley, a guy that Iowa State recruited as a walk-on, uh, he's a walk-on at Iowa, and he's been one of their standouts. And so they do have some a couple receivers there, but I think it's going to be run-focused. And if Iowa State can stop that run, I think that could put them in a good position in that game at home. So if, if they come off that UNI game you know, playing well, I think they have a good chance to be right in it and maybe win that game at the end. I'm sure we won't agree on all those, but I, I probably would tend to lean maybe towards Iowa State on this one too. I like – um, I like where Iowa State has the the matchup advantages, I'll say. I was looking on Twitter the other day, and Mark Morehouse, my colleague at the Cedar Rapids Gazette, tweeted, uh, he asked a couple different Iowa reporters what a sneaky, fragile position for the Hawkeyes is. And he said they all said the secondary. And we know Iowa State, uh, it's deep receivers, Alan Lazard, Matt Eaton when he's healthy, Keem Butler, Deshante Jones, Trevor Ryan. Um, Marchie Murdoch, just a number of those guys that can really fill out uh, on the outside for Iowa State at wideout. Um, I think that's a good matchup. Uh, the key for Iowa State really is just going to be trying to stop the run. And if they can do that with any marginal success, uh, I like them in all these different areas that I can kind of see them, um, you know, even eking out a, a few point win or so, a field goal win. So it, it's going to be a really interesting game because. Iowa, for the first time in quite a while, does have a lot of question marks. And, um, you know, even after last year's game and the way that turned out, it's it's a new year. There's a lot of different uh, difference in, in what the Iowa State team is and what the Iowa team is. So it, it really will be kind of an interesting matchup. Yeah, Iowa, you know, they have a lot of questions. They could prove a lot of those questions to be, 
you know, non-issues. Mm-hmm. You know, we probably won't know until they play Wyoming, which we'll find out about that secondary a little bit against Wyoming, mm-hmm. you know, with, with their quarterback. Um, I'm not, I just feel like it would be a close game, and obviously has a chance that, you know, maybe being sure. at home and those sorts of things, that, that's why I pick uh, them. But I was wrong on that game last year. So, um, mostly I picked Iowa, but I didn't think it was going to – I think I said it was going to be a close game. <laughs> Everybody was a little bit shocked. Just that game last year is kind of uh, an aberration almost just because – Everything that could go wrong for Iowa State went wrong. And like I said, it's a new year. But I think everybody was a little shell-shocked by that one. So then week three would be Akron. And um, that's, you know, one of their best chances to win in terms of the metrics that you look at. Uh, ESPN has it at almost a 70% chance for Iowa State to win that game. Uh, college Football Analytics has them winning that game as well by, you know, three-plus scores. That's a game I think Iowa State wins as well. Um, you know, three and zero start, and the three and zero in terms of our predictions here, three and zero starts have meant good things typically for Iowa State when they do well in the non-conference. Obviously, that helps you go to that six-win mark. And you know, Akron's an interesting team. You know, talking to some uh, people, you know, at Iowa State who obviously played it, you know, coached at Toledo and and know that program. Uh, they bring in transfers, um, so they do have a little bit of an unknown there because they bring in some other pieces, um, you know. And so I think they always kind of have this different look. And I think it sounded like you don't really know what Akron has until you get a week or two into the season. Iowa State would be playing in week three, so they might know a little bit by then. But I think the one thing I give Iowa State here, in addition just to the you know the talent difference, even though you know Akron did I think have some pretty good recruits in this last class, is. Matt Campbell and his staff have all coached in the MAC. They've they know kind of what Akron is, and when you coach at that level um, or you coach in that conference, you can get your players up for that game too. Because you know you know Campbell beat Iowa State you know when he was at Toledo, and he kind of knows how that works both ways. So I think that gives them a little bit of as just the familiarity of Campbell, you know. And, and the assistants having coached against Akron quite a bit. Yeah, I'll admittedly say I don't know a lot about Akron at this point. As we get closer, I'll, I'll dive in more, obviously. But I kind of like like that aspect of it, too, because they all these guys uh, probably know Akron in, inside and out. And obviously, each team changes from year to year a little bit. But having some sort of base knowledge really does does you well. And, and that's why starting off on the right foot, at least against you and I, can, can do so well for Iowa State because – then it just kind of gives you some positive vibes, at least heading into the next couple of weeks. Whereas last year, not only were they all still kind of um, trying to acclimate themselves to one another, but then you start off on the wrong foot and then there's just some sort of, um, you know, I, I don't want to say negative energy because I don't think the, the locker room was divisive in that way. But obviously starting off on a better foot kind of sets you up. Um, at least earlier in the year, better for for these next few games. And Akron is one, like we said, if they have if they want to have any any chances of reaching a bowl game by season's end, uh, it's one they got to go win. I'll for sure say that they cannot, and I don't think they will go any worse than two and one in the non conference. Uh, obviously, if you're going to lose a game, you'd probably want it to be Iowa because you just don't. Those other two losses, I feel like, sends you kind of down the wrong path. A season opener for sure. But then even in Akron kind of puts you in a bad note going into Big 12. Um, you know, that Iowa game will be a big game in terms of recruiting and that sort of thing. So it's going to be an energized game. It's just a matter of, you know, how they kind of execute in that game. But um, we both had them at 3-0 and in non-conference. I think having the home game against Iowa probably helps that prediction. But I think they for sure go 2-1, and one and they have to. Otherwise, their season kind of 
in terms of expectations or hopes, starts to unravel a little bit. They'll get a bye week uh, after Akron, and that's when Big 12 play starts. It starts on a Thursday night, ESPN National TV. Tom Herman comes back to Ames with Texas. Um, ESPN has had about 26% chance for Iowa State to win, and um, which is you know, obviously not that high, uh, but it's, it's one of their decent marks in Big 12 play, actually. And college football analytics has Iowa State winning that one by a field goal. They have them at a 4-0 start with that game. I'm tempted to pick Iowa State in this game because I see how those Thursday night games have went in the past. Um, we know what happened last time they played Texas on a weeknight. Oklahoma last year was a lot closer than anyone could have expected. Iowa State has some chances to stick right in that game into the fourth quarter, if not for some mistakes here and there. And Oklahoma was a really good team last year. Part of me wants to pick them just because I feel like you know, you could catch Texas off. The both, both teams will be coming off a of bye week. Texas will have played Maryland and USC, so they will be tested. It's not like they're not going against anybody. And that's part of the reason I'll pick Texas here. But that one I think is going to come down to a close game. Um, and I'm still not 100% sold on Texas, but they could prove prove that to be – prove me to be wrong, I guess, on that in those first three weeks, depending on how they do against Maryland and uh, USC, those Power 5 schools. Yeah, I guess the trend of us continuing to agree is going to extend to this game at least. I think I think Texas ultimately wins this game, but for all the reasons you just pointed out, I won't be surprised if Iowa State can somehow um, you know get a win here in some sort of fashion, whether it's a field goal or whatever the case is. But I like Texas just because they will have had so many tests earlier in the year. San Jose State is their their other game, and um, you know Iowa State played them last year and handled them pretty well. So Texas has um, two other good games, obviously on the docket that is really going to kind of give them a gauge on where they at. Um, they have they're young at quarterback, but the thing that gave Iowa State trouble last year in the game in Austin was they were just dominated on the offensive and defensive lines and. As I said earlier, uh, those situations are starting to be a little bit more solid than they were perhaps um, at that point last year and certainly than what we maybe thought earlier in the summer or fall camp. But I just like Texas um, in this one just because I think they're going to have a little bit more size up front and can maybe push around Iowa State a little bit more um, than than they can handle. But I, I won't be surprised if Iowa State can somehow snag a win there and, and you know steal one and set themselves up good for, for later in the year. But uh, then the, the next game obviously is going to be a tough one, though. Yeah, Texas is the one I think could be the one sneaky game that if you want to go to a bowl game, that's one you could steal and have that be your sixth win or whatever, especially just the Thursday night add something to that uh, in Ames. The next one is Oklahoma. That's their lowest percentage chance percentage chance by far on ESPN. Um, the Football Power Index has that at 3.3% chance for Iowa State to win that game in Norman. Um, College Football Analytics has them losing that game as well. Uh, I obviously would go with a loss. I mean, they haven't beat Oklahoma since the early 1990s, and to do it on the road against – it's going to be a different Oklahoma team, you know, with no Bob Stoops. I'm still interested to see how that transpires with Lincoln Riley this first year. But they have so much talent, and, and it's hard to pick – until Iowa State beats them, especially in Norman, it's hard to pick Iowa State, especially this this early in Matt Campbell's rebuild. So I think that's the one I – when I look at their schedule, I the Big 12 this year is kind of all over the place. You know, a lot of teams are projected to win six or seven, and so they're kind of right there in terms of games for the taking – I wouldn't be shocked if Iowa State won basically any game on their schedule this year except for Oklahoma. That would be the one game that would really, really surprise me. Um, Oklahoma State would be right in that category, but it's at home, and we saw them play with Oklahoma State last year when they had a lot of talent. So the one game I just I can't really fathom 
thinking about is that game, especially because it's at Norman, especially because I know the history of the last couple of decades. Yeah, the only two times I can really even think that they've been close were last year when they lost by 10. And then I think it was 2007, maybe. It was Gene Chizik's first year. They lost 17-7, to I believe, in Ames. So those are the only real times they've, they've really been within striking distance. And otherwise, Oklahoma's kind of laid the boom, no pun intended, on, on them. They just have been a terrible matchup. And Oklahoma, as we've known, is just uh, consistently loaded with talent, and that's going to be no different. And the coaching dynamic is going to be interesting to kind of see how that unfolds, at least through the early part of the season as they get into Big 12 play. But um, they're just going to be too much for Iowa State, in my opinion. And, um, you know, Iowa State leaves that one with a loss, I think. So the next game is Kansas. And this one I have thought was interesting since ESPN came out with its initial football power index, which is takes into account a lot of different factors and kind of puts a percentage on the games. And these shift throughout the season, I think, as in, as injuries and that sort of thing in games happen. But since their preseason ones came out, this one's always kind of just stood out to me because ESPN gives Iowa State an 80.3% chance to beat Kansas at home, which is their best win probability of the whole 12 games. So they have they, ESPN thinks Iowa State has an even better chance to beat Kansas than Northern Iowa or Akron. And I think Kansas is going to be improved. They've got some talent on that defensive line and all big 12 defensive end and I think that is going to make them a, a better team I think it, it definitely helps their defense and they're bringing in more talent but at home and all those things I, I think Iowa State wins that game and uh, which for me at this point would have them with um, four wins kind of going in I think that's halfway mark through the schedule so halfway through the season I have them with four wins um, by beating Kansas after that week. Yeah, I think they they walk away with a win against Kansas there. It's uh, you know it's hard to pick Kansas in, in a lot of their games just because uh, you know and they've been known to surprise people. They did beat Texas last year. Uh, they were really close with Iowa State. Had chances to win that. Iowa State made a couple plays and Mitch Harger was was really really good in that game and and kind of powered them to the win there. But. Uh, I think Iowa State uh, is going to have uh, a lot on the line there, and it being at home, I think, adds in a lot. Uh, I, I just think Iowa State is, is the better team at this point, although I do think Kansas is getting better as well. So then the next game up after that, so that's halfway through the schedule. I think we both have them at 4-2, and two, and when you look at their schedule, because you have the UNI Akron games early and then you have Kansas in the first half, it sets up for them to have a, a good first half of the schedule if they can take care of the games they're projected to to probably win plus a game like Iowa or Texas one of those two that are projected to be close the second half of the schedule still there's some games in there you know Texas Tech's a game that they blew out Texas Tech last year they're going to be on the road this year and I think that makes it a little bit harder for me to predict that game because you know it's just a totally different game it feels like in Lubbock and it's sometimes when you kill a team one year things change the next year Texas Tech is going to have a lot of questions. Uh, they're going to have a tough early season schedule, especially that first month. And so for me, it's, it's hard to predict, but I'm going to go with a loss against Texas Tech. Um, but that's a game that until I see Texas Tech, it's hard for me to predict that game. I know I have to make a pick, but it's hard for me to predict until I see which way they go because they, if they come out of the gates poorly against uh, Houston and, and their other non-conference teams and they have Oklahoma State to start Big 12, I could see them folding – and kind of Kingsbury being on the way out. And if he's on the way out by midseason, 
you know, maybe Iowa State's chances are better depending on how that Texas Tech team's playing. I'll pick a win just to make it a little different here, just to kind of switch things up. But I, I think there will be a lot of unknown there. Obviously, Texas Tech has to – uh, I mean, their defensive situation speaks for itself. That's never been the, that team's bread and butter, obviously. But there's a lot of, um, you know, the change in the offense as well. Uh, Nick Shimanek, I think, is, is going to be the quarterback at replacing Patrick Mahomes. So there's some differences there. And, um, you know, I don't know how much bearing last year's game has on this year's game because, like we said, they are two, two very different teams at that point. But um, I, I like uh, – it all hinges on how well the teams start out. Uh, like you said, Texas Tech has a really kind of tough start to the season. Iowa State has some challenges in there too. Um, but I I think Iowa State comes in and wins this game just because uh, I think they'll be able to take enough of advantage of that defense to to kind of maybe overcome some of Texas Tech's scoring if they're able to kind of put some stuff together there. Yeah, the two games so far, this is – I know I can't say this for every game, but once we get through the whole schedule, I think the two games that I think I could be wrong on for sure would be Texas or Texas Tech, you know, picking those losses. I think that's the thing about the Big 12 this year. I think there could be a lot of close games. I think Iowa State has the offense to stick with quite a few of these teams. Uh, The question is obviously going to be the defense, but also, you know, how many of these one-score games can they win this year? Because they've lost, I think they've lost, what, 37 games or something like that since they went to a bowl game in 2012. And 15 of them have been by um, one score. So, you know, that that's the thing is, can they actually start winning these one-score games as Matt Campbell and some of the players have talked about recently? Um, that Iowa game, too, is another one. There, There's going to be a lot of games where I think they, they're going to have opportunities. And I think that's what Matt Campbell has talked about through, at different times throughout fall camp is last year they put themselves in these positions, but they – they hadn't given themselves – they hadn't earned the right, I guess he said, in some situations to go win the game. Now with this offseason and the way they've been talking, have they put themselves in a position to maybe turn the tide on some of these? I, I think it's going to be interesting. But like we've talked about, there are a lot of games where we kind of predict it will be right there for the taking. So it is interesting to see which ones could maybe be flipped from from what we've talked about. So that Tech game is, I think, going to be close. I picked Texas Tech in it. TCU's going to be my game that I kind of – probably vary from some of these metrics. And I say Iowa State beats uh, TCU. ESPN has had a 19.5% chance for Iowa State to win that game. Uh, That's one of their lowest marks other than Oklahoma, um, Baylor, and Kansas State. That's the fourth lowest mark on the schedule. But it's a home game. Um, You know, college football analytics has Iowa State losing it by two or three points. And so I, I just think that's a game I think could be right there for the taking at home. Uh, you know, TCU, I don't know a ton about. I haven't looked a ton into, you know, their defense and that sort of thing, but their defense has been uh, pretty decent in years past. So that one, it's kind of more, of, I don't know if upset's the right word, but that's kind of the one of the picks that's maybe just a little bit different because I am picking them to lose to Texas and Texas Tech. Two games I think will be close. Um, I'll go with a win against TCU. Yeah, I'll probably pick that one as a loss. Uh, I, I had them winning the two previous games at, with Kansas and at Texas Tech. I think, um, you know, this team is still learning and growing. It's kind of hard to imagine them going on, uh, you know, and I guess as I'm, I'm as I'm saying this, they started the game by my prediction winning three in a row. I think in the middle of the year there will be some sort of lull maybe. Um, that TCU team I don't know a ton about right now. But, uh, you know, having picked them to win the two previous weeks, I'll say they just have, uh, you know, a bump in the road there and, and fall at home to TCU. 
The next game is West Virginia, and other than Kansas, which is, you know, according to ESPN, has the highest chance, um, they that's the second highest chance, which surprises me a little bit. Um, I think there's – people seem to be all over the place about West Virginia this year. You know, you see them being a decent team, but some people think that they'll be the team that kind of falls off in the Big 12 this year, that maybe people think will win seven games, but they fall short. I mean, that, that seems to be the one team that people aren't as optimistic about – this year for whatever reason, um, new quarterback and those sorts of things. So it'd be interesting to see. I want to. I think th- because of all those questions, it, it tempts me, but I want to pick that game to be uh, a loss for Iowa State. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, that one just doesn't feel, to me, it, it's projected to be a lot closer than I think it, I'm not saying Iowa State's going to get killed in it, but that one doesn't seem, seem as close for me to pick the win as some of those others. Yeah, I think West Virginia will still be pretty loaded. I, I like them in this game too. And Morgantown, Iowa State did go and win there a few years ago when Grant Rohatch was the quarterback in, in that overtime game or double overtime game, whatever it was. But uh, I, I think West Virginia is a better team at this point too. I think Iowa State, again, kind of um, is going to have some growing pains throughout the year. This is going to be one of those games that uh, is going to be tough for them on the road. And then it's Oklahoma State. Um, that's an interesting game. You know, I think Athlon picked it as one of their top ten pos, you know, upsets in the making. Um, obviously, a lot of people think Oklahoma State could be still undefeated at that point. Um, they obviously play Oklahoma earlier this year than normal, but that could be a game that ke- keeps them in the college football playoff race, depending if their season goes how people are projecting it to. Um, I-, I pick Iowa State to lose it, but it- it's it'd be an interesting one because. You know, it, it does kind of remind people of that 2011. It's a little bit earlier, but um, actually it's kind of pretty close date-wise. I think it's a week early. Yeah, yeah, a week but, early. But uh, that's it, they just have so many offensive weapons, it's hard for me to pick against them when they're projected, I think, by a lot of people, especially after the Bob Stoops change. A lot of people think they'll win the conference and be in that playoff race uh, late. And if it has playoff implications, I'm sure the crowd at Jack Trice would be able uh, electric, but it's hard for me to pick the, them to win that game. You know, at least until we get into the season. You know, that could be one where maybe they Iowa State's playing really well, and you can change your prediction to pick that upset. But I think going into the season, it's hard for me to pick that upset. Yeah, it's it's really tough. I I actually really like Oklahoma State. If it, kind of what you were saying there, if if I had to pick a a one A and one B, it'd be Oklahoma just a shade above Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve. I I really like what they have weapon wise. Mason Rudolph, I think, is going to be a stud this year. He's been good in the past, but I think as he's gotten older, he's really kind of come into his own and can really command that offense well. And they've also kind of put together some some defense, too, at Oklahoma State, which is really kind of in the last few years, which has kind of changed what that team is. But I think they're really complete right now, and it's, again, it, it's pretty tough to pick Iowa State to win that one at this point in the year without knowing too much. Then it's Baylor, and these last two games are against Baylor, and Kansas State are 18.8% and 18% win probabilities. I mean, those are two of their lowest along with um, Oklahoma. I think part of it's obvious that they're on the road. Kansas State's projected to be a pretty good team. I think Baylor's probably, you know, I think offensively some of these metrics probably like them just from the past and, and that sort of thing. I I think Iowa State wins one of them, mm-hmm. and I've kind of debated on which one they win because Kansas State they're always close with, and Kansas State's not a team that's going to go crazy on offense that's going to, probably not going to you know beat you by 21 touchdowns if or 21 points if they beat you 
And so that's a game that it, obviously, what, eight of the last nine have been one-score games right. or one-score losses. And so you just feel like Iowa State's going to be right in it. Baylor, I, it's going to be interesting to see which way they go. You know, if they because they have a gauntlet of a schedule, I think, to start Big 12 play. Which way do they go if they struggle? And so that's what kind of makes it difficult. For these, I mean, we have, I have to make a pick. So I'll, I think they're going to beat Baylor and lose to Kansas State um, if I had to make my prediction today. But I don't know why that is. I just, you know, I think if there's one, if there's a team that's kind of always thought of to be defensive focused, especially this year with some of the talent they bring back defensively, um, you know, I think Kansas State could slow down teams in the Big 12 in terms of scoring and that sort of thing. So I guess maybe that's my reasoning. But I'm going to say they beat Baylor lose to Kansas State and finish 6-6. Six and six. But there's some games in there that I kind of want to switch. Like, I feel like I'd want to say they lose both of those and say they beat Tech, but I'll just go with that. Yeah, I, that, that's probably the way I'm leaning right now, too. And just for the fact that I'll take the team that's in transition versus the team that's, um, you know, had a rock-solid, you know, steady coaching staff for quite a while now like Kansas State does. So I think – um, I think Baylor obviously is going to have um, some bumps in the road throughout the year too. I like Iowa State to end a three-game losing streak though, and and go beat Baylor in Waco. I just think um, you know I think if their defense kind of matures and progresses like like it's possible, they they will. I kind of like them to to hang with Baylor and be able to score a little bit. Uh, and like it's hard to predict with uh, Matt Rule. I like him as a coach. I think. Um, they're going to make headways in recruiting and do all that sort of stuff, but they are a team in transition this year still. Um, you know, they had an interim last year, have a new coach this year. Uh, there's just been a lot of upheaval uh, with that football program. So I think Iowa State is kind of in a place now where it can go beat a team like Baylor, um, kind of uh, kick them while they're down, I guess, a little bit and, and go win that game and then, um, you know, lose on the road at Kansas State. But that game has has been one, like you mentioned, is, is one that's always close. So it is going to be interesting because I think there will be a lot of games like that this year where Iowa State, is the, they're in a position to win it, but can they make enough plays down the stretch especially to kind of co- go and close them out? My big question with, Baylor, too, is their offensive line. I think at one point I, I saw coming out of Waco that they felt okay about, like, five guys. And so they're kind of in the situation where Iowa State was last year with their offensive line where they're trying to piece things together until they get some of these other offensive linemen on campus. So that's a big question for them. And uh, they just have a lot of, I think, a lot more questions. And so uh, I'd pick Iowa State to win that one. Uh, it will be interesting, though, say Iowa State has the – you know, five wins going into those last two weeks. If they lose to Baylor, they'll be playing Kansas State um, in the season finale to go to a bowl game. So um, that it could be interesting. You know, I think that's the type of season we're probably looking at uh, for Iowa State is if they can put themselves in a position in those final weeks to be playing for a bowl game, um, I think a lot of fans would be happy with the direction of the program. You want to kind of still be playing for that sixth win, uh, if possible, in those final weeks. And that's kind of what we both projected. Um you know, I think most people, ESPN ends up having them at four and a half. I know their chances above 50% were only three, but they basically say they take another game and then they have some other chances. Um, college football analytics had them at six and six. Vegas had it, what, at five and a half. Mm-hmm. So everybody kind of has it right between, you know, right on that five win line with a chance to steal a game and, and go to a bowl. So 
it all kind of starts with you and I, though. You know that you got to win that game because the years that you lose that game, I think things just start to fall apart. Yeah, it just it sets the tone really. Uh, the the more positive you can get, and it sounds stupid and simple, but the more positive you can get at the beginning of the year, the better it bodes for for later in the year. But I think uh, at least right around the five win mark is kind of the natural growth curve projection that Iowa State can go on right now. I think it makes sense. Um, and they were in position for a lot of those games last year. And, uh, you know, I think uh, they've solidified more spots than they had last year. They're kind of, um, you know, steady at quarterback. And this is, you know, I, I even hate mentioning it, but knock on wood, you know, barring any major injuries, um, Iowa State has enough talent, I think, to go out and win um, four or five and possibly six games. I, I, I just think, um, you know, connected with the scheme and everything kind of put together, uh, I think it's a, is a team that is improving and it's it's going to be kind of fun to watch this year um, when you think about what they were last year, just to kind of see what progress they can make. So that's taken us about a half hour. So, you know, I think instead of going into some of the questions, we'll save that for the next episode. Um, you know, the next edition of Psycho Scoop, hopefully early uh, of game week, we're going to obviously break down you and I. Um, and so when we break down you and I, we'll kind of go through some of the big questions and some of that stuff going into the season. But in, in a little bit of the time that we have left to not go too long here, let's switch to men's basketball recruiting. And uh, Iowa State is making progress with a lot of kids. Um, it's actually been interesting how many kids they've gotten on unofficial visits in the last couple of weeks. Um, that now they can get those kids back for officials and when they come for their official, it'll be their second time. But um, right now we've talked about before Iowa State has, um, you know, four open scholarships if you count the one they entered the 2017-18 season with. I think they'll for sure try to push to get, you know, that point guard, um, a power forward and a wing player in this early signing period. And they're kind of setting themselves up to have a chance to do that. So, um, you know, I guess – I don't know, where should we start, you think? Yeah, I, I guess just kind of, you know, we don't have to go too long here, but just kind of give a brief overview of where they are with guys because, like you said, they've kind of zeroed in on some of these positions, at least for a while, just knowing what they're going to lose next year um, in some of the senior departures with Donovan Jackson, um, you know, Jeff Beverly and Hans Brace, guys like that. Um, I guess just kind of um, what are some of the top priorities right now? And um, like you said, I know uh, there have been several guys that have kind of set official visits for, for things coming up, but um, just kind of the overview maybe or just the few names that I guess people should be kind of zeroed in on as, as this recruiting period kind of heats up. Well, there's one point guard target that they're after, and that's uh, Memphis target uh, Tyler Harris. He visited unofficially way back in early uh, July. He's told me he's scheduled his official visit for September. Um, he wasn't sure if it was you and I or Iowa yet, and I haven't heard back from him exactly which weekend it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be the Northern Iowa game, the season opener, but um, he hasn't confirmed which of those two weekends it is. But he's going to get to Iowa State. Iowa State still perceived to be the favorite there. But, you know, Ole Miss and Wichita State, Memphis, Cincinnati, Colorado State, those schools are all pushing him to try to get visits and push back the decision. Um, there's some thought, and he said this before, that he could make a decision in early to mid-September. If he sticks by that timeline, I think Iowa State's in a really good shape because he'd come on that visit and then be close to that de decision. He has also mentioned the possibility of going uh, into October. If that happens, I still think Iowa State's in a good shape just right now. But it obviously, the more it lengthens, the less you know because that would mean more visits probably. But there's really not another point guard they're pushing for right now because Tyler Harris has been their guy. 
Um, on the wing, there's really four players. Uh, Zion Griffin's probably the biggest riser in the month of July. You know, he added Illinois and uh, Iowa State and Kansas and others. He's down to four schools, Iowa State, Kansas, Pittsburgh, and Illinois State. He goes to Illinois State this weekend, Iowa State for the Cyhawk game on September 9th. Then he'll go to Pittsburgh, and then the last weekend of September, he'll go to Kansas for late night in the fog. He's planning to make a decision in early October. I think that right now feels like it feels like Iowa State and Kansas, and um, he really likes Iowa State. He's been to an unofficial visit, so I think they're right there for him. Talon Horton Tucker is a kid they offered last summer, so more than a year ago, but he's blown up too with Michigan State, Kansas, and others um, in the last couple months. I think Iowa State's right in that top mix with Illinois, Michigan State, uh, Kansas, um, you know, Ohio State's also offered. The interesting thing is going to be um, kind of what happens at some of these schools. Does Michigan State fill up? If they do, I think that opens the door for Iowa State or keeps them right in it. Kansas can probably hasn't taken more than one wing. They're after him and Zion Griffin and others. So what is their situation? A lot of people think he's leaning towards Michigan State, but I think there's a lot of factors and a lot of variables there where Iowa State could still get him. Uh, then there's Tyrese Halliburton from Wisconsin. Obviously, Iowa State's recruited Wisconsin well in the past. Uh, this is a kid that also kind of blew up in this AAU cycle. He's grown two, three inches in the last year. He went from like 6'3 to uh, basically 6'6, I think, now. Uh, he's kind of a guy that can play all over the floor. He's going to visit Nebraska, um, then come to Iowa State for the Texas football game on that Thursday into the weekend, go to Northern Iowa and Cincinnati in October. He's going to decide sometime, obviously, this fall. I think Iowa State's in a good shape. It just depends on what kind of push they make at, at different positions. But um, they really like him. And like I said, a guy that can play all over. He's already been to Iowa State as well for a visit. And uh, so that one will be interesting to watch as well. And then Timmy Allen's the last guy. And Iowa State made his top five with UCLA, Texas Tech, Utah, and San Diego State. Uh, Timmy told me he still hasn't scheduled any of those visits. Those five schools are going to get the visits. Iowa State's got a good relationship there because um, we actually talked about him last year on the second scoop. His brother, Teddy Allen, uh, Iowa State recruited him in the 2017 cycle, and then they ended up not really having room, and he went to West Virginia. But there is a relationship there. And then there's really two more names, and that's at the forward position. And the focus is on George Condit. His dad played football at Iowa State in the early 1990s. Um, he's cut his list to a top 11, which is kind of hard to keep track of that many, but there's three schools that he's visiting Iowa State for the Northern Iowa game, Illinois the weekend after, and then New Mexico in late September. He's going to make a decision in October. Uh, I think Iowa State and Illinois feel like the main schools right there. Um, but there's other schools like Georgia Tech and Maryland and Washington and Houston that want to do in-homes with them. And um, The last name I think is probably the hardest one for Iowa State to get, and that's Jaden Ledee out of Houston. Iowa State made his top eight. But he's already scheduled four of his five officials, and Iowa State's not one of them. So they're basically trying to push for an official. He's got official scheduled through October 6th. So to me, it feels like more of a wait and see, you know, can you get George Condit and then just that be your forward um, and then see what happens with Ladee because he kind of feels like of these seven names I went through, he kind of feels like the one that's going to be the most difficult to land. Yeah, and that was just this last week that he put out his top eight. So that's kind of a good overview. But it just kind of feels like a situation where, you know, obviously we've talked at length about how Iowa State's kind of been snake bitten on this recruiting trail and through the spring and summer and things like that just haven't gotten to go their way. But 
it almost just kind of feels like one of those dominoes falls almost kind of similar to last year you get a domino to fall and and some of these recruits kind of see something tangible in the class that um you know say hey i can go play with this guy then that just kind of gives it some more realness to it is kind of how i feel it just uh, they're waiting for that one guy to to make the commitment and then it kind of helps assemble the rest of the class almost well tower harris could definitely get things rolling if he commits on or shortly after his official visit in early september that gives you a four-star top 100 point guard to start your class and then you can kind of start building from there the good news is they've got visits scheduled with tyler harris um george condit tyrese halliburton and zion griffin which is four of those seven names i just mentioned uh talon horton tucker and timmy allen haven't scheduled visits at all so obviously it's still obviously in the mix to get a visit and then Jaden ladee is the one that scheduled four or five but you scheduled with kids that have scheduled their official visits, you've scheduled with four of the five for the month of September. So I think by early to mid-October, we're probably going to have a decent feel of what this class will look like. Obviously, like I said, I think Tyler Harris could get the ball rolling. But someone like a George Condit would be interesting because him, Talon Horton Tucker, and Zion Griffin all know each other. Um, they're all from Illinois. They're you know three of the best probably four players in the state of Illinois in this class, uh, maybe three of the best five. And, you know, George Condit and Zion Griffin visit in back-to-back weekends. You know, maybe you get some Illinois connection going there. You know, Griffin took out Illinois in his picture, so they can't both go to Illinois. Um, not saying they're a package deal or anything like that, but it's always. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that progresses once, like you said, one or two guys commits. Uh, but if, if by mid-September, when they sign these kids, if they can have three kids committed, I think they'll be feel really good about the class. But for sure want to get a couple. And like I said, right now it looks like they've got – a point guard target in Harris, four perimeters, which guys which are shooting guards or wings. Um, Zion Griffin can probably actually play the four in a small lineup and then a couple forwards. So they've kind of got their focuses at each of those positions, and now it's just a matter of seeing if they can get them to commit in September or shortly after when they make their decisions. Yeah, and like we've said, these are names, several of them, that they've been in, in on in for quite a while now. It's just uh, names that are really familiar. So it is going to be kind of interesting to see how it plays out over the next uh, month or couple months. And uh, like we said, if they can get a domino to fall and kind of start to build this class. But uh, hopefully that kind of gives everybody a good overview of where basketball recruiting stands and then just kind of some some predictions for the upcoming football season, but we'll end it right there. Um, next week to preview the UNI game, we'll hopefully get a guest and then just kind of, like Alex said earlier, dive into some more questions kind of surrounding the team and, and kind of our thoughts as, as we head into the season opener. I know everybody's kind of ready for, for football to begin, so it, it don't have to wait much longer. But that's all we've got for you this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Take care.